I love you. This morning, I want to challenge us with the question, what will Jesus say? When we stand before Jesus at the end of this life, what will Jesus say to us as individuals? What will he say to those that we know? What will Jesus say? We need to recognize one, first off, is point one. This life is not all there is. There is the internal life. We have this life here on earth in which we get the chance to come to know God, to experience God, to be in His presence, to experience fellowship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. But one day we'll pass from this life and we'll stand before Jesus and have to give an account for how we've lived this life. A couple of weeks ago, I asked God, what do you want me to talk on? And this is what He laid on my heart. I've been working on for a couple weeks now. I want to go back a few years of my life really quick. A few years ago, my gramps, he passed away from lung cancer. I was really close to my gramps. One of my favorite things about him was he had a van that would, um, anytime it drive past a Dairy Queen, the van would start to shake and start to turn. And we'd get in the parking lot and he goes, man, this van, I gotta, this van's costing me too much ice cream. And... Uh, my Gramps, he always would say, don't call me Gramps. But we would love calling him Gramps anyways. He loved Jesus. And uh, at his funeral, I remember seeing the pictures of his life. And I couldn't help but cry. And as I saw his life, and I remember my memories with him and what he had taught me. I was crying and my son, Jackson, was at my feet and he looked up and he said daddy you have an owie and he got up in my lap and put his arms around me and pat me on the back and he said it's going to be okay I was sad because I'm not going to see my gramps again here on earth but I am going to see him again in heaven I know that because he accepted Christ believed on Jesus Christ and followed Christ he was not a perfect man whatsoever but he chose Christ for himself my biological father passed away at the age of 29. I'm at the age of 32. The time that I have now is kind of odd to me. The year of 29 was the hardest year of my life in the aspect of what am I living for? I remember at that time I had to make a commitment to saying I'm living for eternity. I'm living for God's glory and not my own wants and my own desires. But I'm living for Him. Because I'm on borrowed time, and by God's grace and mercy, He's got more for me to do. So this life is not that all there is. There is the internal life. I want to read in Revelations chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Then I saw a great throne, and Him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great, and the small. Standing before the throne, the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
And then Revelation is 21, 21 through 27. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. This is describing heaven. Each of one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it. And its lamp is its lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there is no night there. Its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abominations and lying shall come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm excited about heaven. There will be no more sin. There will be no more evil. There will be no more death. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. We will finally be in God's presence fully and completely with none of our flesh in the way of hindering our perfect fellowship with Him. And that brings us to A, heaven. John 14, 1 through 4. Jesus says, let your heart not, let, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Jesus says, if we have accepted Him as our Lord and Savior, He has gone to prepare a place for us to live with Him for all eternity. And then B, hell. Revelations 20.10 And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beasts and false prophets are also. And Revelation chapter 20 verse 14 says, And they will be tormented day and night. When I think of the differences of heaven and hell, heaven is in perfect presence with God and worship Him and praising Him for all eternity, being in His presence glorifying His name. I think of all the greatest joys here on earth are just a small fragment of the joy of being there. I think of my wedding day. I think of the birth of my children. I think of people who have accepted Christ, seeing their change in their life, seeing them rededicate life to, their life to Christ. I think of those quiet moments by the river stream, just full of peace and joy and in awe of God's creation. When I think of hell, I think of death. I think of suffering. I think of pain. I think of the word separation. We, too, we we need to recognize we are all sinners. We are all sinners. Every single one of us. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, according to God's Word. 
When Jesus says to us at the end of our life, what he will say to us. We need to recognize that what he's done on the cross for our sins and be humble before him and praise him and thank him for what he's done. He's paid the debt in which we could not pay ourselves. Brings us to point three. God has given his one and only son, Jesus Christ, as Savior of the world. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're in need of a Savior, someone to save us from our sin and our sin nature. We're born with it. And Jesus is the one who has paid that price by living a perfect life, by dying on the cross and rising again. He has fulfilled God's promise to the world. Let's read in God's Word in Galatians 3.22. But the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And then 1 John 4.10 In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And in 1 John 4.14, this is the disciples speaking, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now let's, uh, let's presume the President of the United States of America sent me an invitation, inviting me to come to the White House and meet him and discuss uh, what I do as a youth pastor, the life of the junior hire, and he wants my thoughts on some things, but he just wants to meet me. So he sends me this invitation. And I get the invitation in the mail. And, I, and in this invitation, I got an RSVP. Because the president needs to know if I'm going to accept it, if I'm going to come or not. And so I'm, I want to meet him. I would love that. So I fill out the RSVP and send it back. And then when my time comes, I go before the White House and they go, they check their list. Oh, Jeff Carter? Oh, yeah, you can come see the president. You have lunch with him at noon. And I get to go in and I sit down with him and have a conversation and I get to meet him. There was action on my part. I had to receive the invitation, respond to the invitation, meaning I accepted it, RSVP, and send it back. And I had to show up. And have that meal with him. Now, what if he sends me an invitation? I say, I stick it in my pocket. President's invited me to the White House. I stick it in my pocket. Don't alert SVP. Show up at the White House on the appointed day. The guards at the door are going to check the list. The name's not on it. They're not going to let me in. I fear too many people in this life. They learn of Jesus Christ. They learn that he lived and died and rose again for their sins. They know of God's love. They know of Jesus, but they have not accepted it. They have not taken it and applied it in RSVP, put their name in the life of uh, of the Lamb, the book of life in heaven. And they like, I had the invitation. That's good enough. No. There's got to be an act on our part. See, Point four, when we die, we will give an account 
for all that we have done. When this life is done, we will have to give an account to God the Father, the Creator, the Holy One, and His Son, the Messiah. In Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, it says, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall pray, give praise to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And given the account, what we've done will add up. How we've lived our lives for God. What will Jesus say to us? And the five, we will be rewarded according to what we have done. We will be rewarded for what, according to what we have done. I love Jesus. He spoke in parables. I love stories. And he shares this parable. I'm going to read it. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. So it is just like a man about to go on a journey. Who called his slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents. To another two. And to another one. Each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents saying, Master, you've entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him. And give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. 
But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As I studied this parable, I had to examine myself. Are there talents in my life? Are there gifts that God's given me that I'm bearing and not using? And this is going to be have to something until the end of my day. I'm going to have to do is examine myself. Are there things that God's given me that I'm not using for His glory? See, God has created us each so uniquely different from each other. He's given each of us a different set of talents and gifts in which we're supposed to use to grow the bride of Christ. We are given a responsibility. If we accepted Christ than to use the talents that he's given us, the gifts that he's given us for his glory and for his purposes. Why? Do we want to hear Jesus say, you were faithful with what I gave you. Enter into the joy of your master. Here on this earth, it matters what we do for all eternity. Use what God has given you for His glory. And then six, we need to grow in our fellowship with Jesus. We need to grow in our fellowship with Him. When me examining myself to grow in my relationship with Christ, I need to be proactive in Bible reading, reading His Word so I know how to live, praying, Spending time with Him. Diligently seeking Him. Diligently praising Him. Worshiping Him. Privately and corporately. I need to be honoring Him with my life. And doing what He has commanded of me. Let's go in the first step. A, we got to accept Christ. We got to accept Christ and receive Him for ourselves. This is something that each and every individual is responsible for doing for themselves. I've got four children. I would love to make the decision for them that they would live for Jesus and follow Him. I cannot force that on them. I cannot make them do that. They have to choose for themselves. What I can do is set the example of a humble man who is trusting in Jesus of a man who wants to live for God and be a child of God so that others may see that. Yeah, I got to accept Christ each and every day. I accept Him as my Lord and Savior, but I also need to accept Him at His mercy, His love, His grace, accept His forgiveness that He gives. I got to receive that for myself. And so do you. John chapter 1, verses 11 through 14 He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. When we accept Christ as ours, Lord and Savior, God the Father accepts us as His children and calls us His. B. Believe Christ. We got to believe that when He says He will do something, He will do it. We got to believe Him at His word. We got to have faith in His word. We got to have action to prove that we are believing that Jesus is who He says He is. John chapter 6, verse 28. Therefore they said to Him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? His disciples asking, by the way, in the verse right after it says, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That the work of God is that we would believe in Jesus Christ, whom God has sent as Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Holy One, God's perfect gift to all mankind. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. We are called to accept Christ, to believe him, and then see, follow Christ. I'm going to stand before God. I want to be able to say, I followed you. I did what you wanted me to do. I walked where you walked. I did as you commanded. With your help and by the help of the Holy Spirit, that is what I was able to do with my life. We are to obey Christ by following Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23-24. This is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. And the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Our commandment is to love God and to love others side by side. 1 Peter 2, 21 For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. It's now going to be easy to follow Christ. He suffered, his disciples will suffer as well. But John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John chapter 13, 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The excitement of living for Jesus and honoring Jesus with our lives is He has paid the price that we cannot pay back. But by His help and by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can live a life keeping the end in mind and we will stand before Jesus one day and give an account for our life whether we believed on Him and accepted Him and followed Him. When I stand before Jesus, I look forward to seeing His face. 
what I want to hear him say. I want to hear him call me an affectionate name. Because I'm a child of God by Jesus' blood and his price that he paid for me. I want to hear that affectionate name and I want to be held by him. I want to know that I influence at least someone to be at the gates of heaven too. I want Jesus to show me the people who influenced me for his glory. The people that impacted my life. That I came to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. The people who impacted me along my journey. I want to see them. And I want to see those that I've impacted by Jesus Christ using me. I look forward to that moment of standing before him. And I also look forward to the joy of the Father. I look forward to the presence of no more sin in the way between me and him. But while I'm here on earth, I want to keep in mind and I want to challenge you to keep in mind that the end will happen of this earth and the beginning of the next that will not end will be for all eternity within God's presence. That we would think on that, dwell on that, and it would encourage us and motivate us to honor Him and to accept Christ, to believe on Him and to follow Him, to do what God has asked you to do, to do what God has asked me to do with my talents, to not be lazy, to not slack off, but to honor Him with all that I do. The last question I've got. What do you want Jesus to say to you when you stand before Him at the end of your life? This last Tuesday, I asked my junior hires this at youth group. And I asked them if they were willing to write down what they wanted Jesus to say to them. Most wrote down simple things. Well done. Enter into the joy of your master. You're here. I love you. One of them wrote down, I want to see Jesus. And I want to see those that are already ahead of me. My son, Jackson Lee Carter, six and a half years old, he talked to me not too long ago. See, his great-grandpa passed away just a few nights ago. And so, kind of been talking about death. And he said, Daddy, when you die, I will miss you. But I will see you again in heaven, Daddy, because of Jesus. And Daddy, when you get there and you see my house that Jesus is preparing, you'll know it's my house because it's made of Legos. And I said to my son, I will see you in heaven. Because I know he's accepted Christ. And I know with my boy, as he grows up, he will go through trials. He will go through sufferings. He will live a life. And I don't know what he will do or accomplish. But I do know he has to choose. Just as I've got to choose and you've got to choose. Will you accept Christ? Will you believe on Christ? And will you follow Christ to the end of your days? 
I love the faith of my son, and it encourages me to grow my faith in my Lord and Savior. We're going to switch gears. We're going to go into communion in just a moment. Communion is a time of remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's paid the price for our sins. He has fulfilled God's promise. To praise Him, to worship Him, to thank Him for what He's done. And with communion, if you um, would like, you can come up and kneel as the worship songs are going. Or you can go in the back as well um, and kneel there. If you do not want to do communion, you do not have to. You can stay in your seat. It's okay. But remember what Christ has done. He was obedient to the Father unto death. And He has commanded us to do the same. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank You so much for Your Son. And thank You for Your love that surpasses all understanding. Thank You, God, that You are holy and merciful and just and loving. We want to praise You and live our lives for You. We ask for the strength and endurance to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's children said, Amen.